This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Lisa Safarian, Commercial Operations Head for Crop Science of Bayer, North America. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Bayer's Lisa Safarian next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. It's been a very challenging year for farmers and the agribusiness and retail sectors that support them. Bayer's Lisa Safarian is well familiar with the cyclical nature of farming, but says 2019 has been especially challenging for the whole agriculture industry. We continue to keep our nose down and, and working hard with our customer, working with our retailers. We know it's cyclical. We know that, and, and obviously farmers are optimistic. We have to be in this business if we're going to uh, be surviving. So a lot of what we're doing now is even planning for next year. So what's happening? What can we put in place now that really puts us even in a better position for next year? when hopefully this historic weather that we've seen here across the Midwest doesn't happen again and allows us to help the farmer be even more successful next year. Will some of your inventory be able to carry to next year? Sure. As you think about um, chemistry, for sure, crop protection, as you think about seed, uh, much of that inventory will carry over, and that's just a natural progression of what happens in the seed business. Still tough not to have the sales that you hoped that you would have. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but it's kind of hard to complain about that when you actually see the devastation on these farms and, and you see, in some cases, entire operations wiped out, or especially as you think about the flooding in Nebraska and some in Missouri. So, yes, obviously, you'd always like more sales, but that's not really the point in a year like this. Let's talk about the integration of the two companies. Where are we in that process as it relates to the, the working within the companies and then the relationship with your customers? Sure. Um, our focus, my focus for this integration for U.S. was to make sure that farmers and even retailers, everybody that we consider to be customers, were as impacted as little as possible. And that's been our goal the entire time. So we know that bringing these two companies together is incredibly beneficial as we bring together such a strong crop protection portfolio and a seed and trait portfolio. And that's going to bring huge advantage to the farmer over time. But as we think about the integration, we were very cautious and careful to try not to make too much disruption on our customer-facing roles. And we're pretty much done now in terms of putting appropriate people in place. As I talk to our customers, whether they're farmers or whether they're retailers, we get some very good kudos for really doing this in, in somewhat of a seamless way. Now, obviously, back office things take longer. You talk about systems. You talk about, you know, all those kinds of things that have to happen. Those are going to take longer, but we knew they would. So there's a little more manual work that has to happen internally, and we'll go on for a bit, but nothing that wasn't expected. The strength of Bayer, the strength of Monsanto now in one company, is it everything that you hoped it would be and on the horizon what can still come to fruition that you hoped for? Yeah, so there's kind of the short term and then there's a the long term. First of all, our teams have come together incredibly well. I can go into a room of people 
salespeople, sales managers, product managers, marketing, and and I can't tell the difference of who came from where. So the teams came together very quickly. Our mission is still the same thing from both companies, and that's to provide innovative products and solutions for farmers. So we're all on the same team. We're all on board really from day one. So that part has been fabulous. As we think about things we can bring to farmers, perhaps where we had uh, more of a footprint or more conversation or relationship with farmers on the seed side, we now have some crop protection products that maybe that farmer wasn't utilizing that we can introduce to them and help him see how we can help him go even further and produce even more uh, more sustainably and more profitably. And that's really short-term with existing products. As we move forward with digital, And we think about how do we bring all of these products together for that farmer to help him with his 40-plus decisions down to perhaps a square meter in every field. That's going to be the next piece that everyone will see. And then the longer term is, in the past, we would develop a seed or trait, and then when it was done, call it in 10 years, then we would start working on a crop protection system that went with it. What would accompany it well? What would enhance it? What would do something? Now, they're both going to start at the beginning of the pipeline. So you could argue, instead of being it sequentially, we'll do it in parallel, and you could easily cut eight, ten years off of the time it takes for a farmer to get something new, say a new biotech trait, a new breeding trait that's accompanied with maybe some kind of a new crop protection system. So that obviously is longer out, but that will be really transformational as well as we move into the future. What is our goal in agriculture, and what is Bayer's goal So I believe today agriculture actually does help with sustainability as we think about reduced carbon. But there's always room to do more. And as we think about, for example, our pledge at our company, we have a sustainability pledge that we recently launched several weeks ago that says within our global footprint, we're going to reduce environmental impact by 30% by 2030. And we're going to do that through different innovation, whether that's digital innovation that helps you be much more prescriptive and precise about what you plant and what you spray and when and where, or whether it's about perhaps chemistries that um, are more compact and, and don't need as much water or whatever that would be. And so we're really focusing on innovation to help reduce that footprint. And that's just something our company is doing. You've talked about an investment in innovation. Can you give a direction of where you're intending to go, and does that take you away from where you are now? Not necessarily. So if you think about innovation, now you've got to think, you know, you've got short-term, and then you've got really long-term. And so what does the world look like in 20 years? And so you really have to be creative to say, as we think about artificial intelligence, as we think about data, as we think about analytics, what can that do to help us in our innovation, whether it's how we innovate a product differently, a different kind of seed, a different seed treatment, a different crop protection, or is it really about information and data that combines with some sort of equipment that helps that farmer do something different? So it will span a a really broad time period. So does this necessarily mean that we're walking away from products like glyphosate and gene stacking and moving to a completely new frontier? We are absolutely not walking away from our existing products. We firmly stand behind the safety of our products and the necessity of our products. And so again, I try to get out to talk to farmers as much as I can. And they're all very clear to me. These products, whether you're talking about glyphosate or whether you're talking about dicamba, are absolutely critical for them to not only be profitable and get high yields, but also to do it in a sustainable way. 
Having said that, we're an innovation company. We're always going to be looking for new innovation, whether that's new crop protection or whether that's new things in the digital space. But we are not leaving our existing products. So we think about these products now that have come under the gun from the public eye at one place or the other, and obviously one of those is glyphosate. What has glyphosate allowed producers has it allowed them to be more sustainable with crop residue? Has it provided benefit? A- absolutely. And in fact, uh, again, being here 30 some odd years, I remember many of those days as well. And we started talking about no-till as this new concept. You know, no-till means we're going to leave the soil alone. We're going to let the, the residue come down, um, and then we can put the, the crop right into it. And so that saves the carbon emission, that saves the the gas of having to go across the field, it saves the topsoil, all those things. And by having crops that are resistant to Roundup, we can go ahead and run through that whole system and just do an amazing, a much better job of managing the topsoil and the nutrients and everything else that happened on that field. So what do you see as opportunities of artificial intelligence, of robotics, of gene editing now as opposed to the suggestion of GMO? What are the frontiers that you see will change agriculture, not asking from a Bayer perspective, but from an industry perspective, what are the next game changers here? You know, I think it's in a couple of places. Um, I'm going to start really, though, with data as I think about from a farmer's perspective. And so if you think about, for many years, farmers have had a lot of data and information about maybe what they planted or what they harvested or where it came from. It didn't really tell them necessarily something new to do. It just kind of told them what happened. So now as we think about data and we think about algorithms and we think about artificial intelligence, we now have the capability to not only know what happened, but to be predictive about what will happen. And so even today, we are able to go ahead and say, based upon your field, we can give you the very choice of the top three hybrids that are going to produce the absolute most in your field. And not only that, at what population they should be planted at, and at over time, maybe even what's the best planting date, what's the best harvest date based upon um, weather and so forth. That's just the very beginning. What will come from that will be things like, well, gee, I'm predicting you're getting a pest, or I see the very beginning of a pest based upon a satellite image in the middle of your field that you can't get to from scouting. So now I'm going to tell you, you probably should use this insecticide or you should use this fungicide. Or I may tell you, you don't need it. Maybe historically you've always used some particular product because you just felt like that's what you needed. In the future, our data and and artificial intelligence will be able to tell you, you don't have to do that. Or you only have to spray this part of your field. Or, you know, you only need to put fertilizer on that part of your field. Or you need to do more everywhere, whatever that might be. So it's going to be much more predictive much more prescriptive and in some cases it means you're going to use less of something in some cases it might mean you use something else or it might mean use more of something it just depends on that exactly what's happening in that field in those weather conditions with that plant with the population that you put it down so that to me is going to be the most transformational piece that a farmer will see now what will also be happening whether it's through gene editing or ai back in the breeding area we're going to be able to bring products faster and better and call out the ones that kind of look good. If you think about it, we used to do these really large field scale trials and then you pick one and then sure enough, the next year it still didn't do what you thought it did the three years before. And you're like, well, that didn't work. We're going to be able to eliminate most of that in the lab much earlier, years faster to be able to bring 
products forward that have something different about them, whether they're edited or whether they're just a better choice from a larger gene plasm pool because now we can look at millions of seeds at a time instead of just 100,000. It was Monsanto that was the first to bring genetic engineering or GMO, and it put a target on your back. But now there are those who not only push back against that, they're pushing back against other technologies of CRISPR and of gene editing. And by being opposed to these, what are we missing? What would society miss if we weren't able to use these new technologies to produce food? Yeah, so, you know, if you think about it, I think it's very well known, but that by 2050 we expect roughly 10 billion people on this planet. We also know that everyone doesn't even have food security today. What we believe is without these new technologies, whether it's GMOs, whether it's gene editing, whether it's CRISPR, whether it's all these things that we're talking about, if we don't have these technologies, we don't stand a chance in being able to produce enough food to feed those 10 billion people. And, and that, would be, uh, that would be terrible, right? I mean, and so um, fundamentally, they need to be used responsibly. They need to be used respectfully. I think we can improve our conversations with consumers to help them better understand. But they're absolutely critical if we're going to be able to meet the need of feeding the world by 2050. If the goal is profitability for farms, and they have to be profitable to survive, if the goal is sustainability for the environment and also for the farmer, are these two goals and, and separate destinations, or are they really at the same place? Are we all looking for the same thing? I believe we're all looking for the same thing. I've never met a farmer who didn't care about his land. He does. And he wants to treat his land the best he can. And in many cases, he's already made choices like no-till, like some of the, uh, the choices he's made with Roundup and others through the years. Um, he wants to continue to make those choices. So we need to continue to bring him those opportunities through innovation so that he can continue to increase his profitability, but at the same time increase his sustainability. And, and again, as we go back and we think about these digital tools that can tell you exactly what you need where you need it, there's going to be a huge shift in terms of how that farmer farms, and I believe it will allow him to be more profitable and be more sustainable at the same time. There are companies today, back to the, to the, to the low-cost producer, there was a period of time that if you were the least-cost producer, you had the best opportunity to gain market share. But we're finding now, not only in the grocery store, but also in the bulk purchasing of commodities, of companies that want a crop that is identity preserved, they want to know where it was raised and how it was how it was raised, and then they're passing that on to their customer. How is is this on the radar of your company? Is this on the radar of industry of satisfying demand? So as we think about the goal of what we all have to accomplish, we we really look at it through a couple of lenses. One lens, we always look at the farmer. What does the farmer say he wants? What does the farmer say he needs so that we can provide that value and that product to him? We also are having a lot more conversations with consumers, which includes food companies, than we've ever had in the past. And again, listening to them, what are, what are their needs? What do they want? How are they thinking about it? So we can make sure we understand the direction that we're going from that point of view, and at the same time understanding exactly what a farmer, what, what he's thinking about and how he wants to do it to make sure that we can satisfy him because at the end of the day, he's ultimately our customer. 
But the days of just looking at only the farmer, which is what we might have done more of in the past, are gone. We need to make sure that we're having those consumer conversations and understanding what the consumer wants at the same time. So in the investment that you'll make for innovation and towards sustainability, what are some of the sub-goals sub that are there that will help you know that, that money well spent for a day that's coming? Well, again, as we think about these conversations with consumers and understanding how they think about it, we've been going to a lot more places than we've ever been, South by Southwest, Aspen Festival, places where um, maybe weren't always welcome necessarily, to have those conversations and to gauge, to understand. And as we think about, at the end of the day, it's really what brings value to the farmer. If the farmer wants it and the farmer likes it and the farmer will buy it, then that's good for us. If the farmer says, hey, that was interesting because you satisfied somebody else, but that doesn't have value for me, then we fail. So we've got to continue to help that farmer be more sustainable and be more profitable so that he can get the yields that he needs that we need to feed the world. But we can't ignore the other piece. Is the agriculture that we have today, with the technologies that we're employing from your company and from others, are we better today than where we were and are we getting credit for the, the achievements that we've made? I think we absolutely have made improvements through the years. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Are we very good at telling people about that and explaining it? I would argue no. We've sort of, you know, just done our jobs and, and fed the world, essentially. I do think in the last, call it five, ten years, it's become clear we have to do this differently. So we have to do what we do to feed the world, but at the same time we've got to be able to have um, conversations with consumers who don't necessarily understand and do maybe have a preconceived idea that maybe isn't correct. And so how do we have a good conversation just to help bring all the information to the table? Not necessarily to change somebody's mind, but just to make sure that they understand sort of both sides of the story. If the consumer is pushing back against older technologies, even now, then what does that say about the future of this industry the places that we need to go and the problems that we need to solve? Well, I think what it says is we need to understand where we can come to common ground. I believe that everybody wants the same thing. We want a safe planet. We want healthy food for our kids. I don't believe anybody doesn't want to feed somebody in 2050, right? I mean, so ultimately we all want the same things. We're just going about it right now in different ways. So I do think, one, it's important. We're really going to have to expand these conversations. That's, I think, really critical. I think, secondly, we don't abandon critical technologies until different ones might come along or might not come along, right? So we need to make sure we support the farmer. We keep the technologies that he uses today that make him successful that he absolutely needs to continue to do what he does. Over time, though, from an innovation perspective, we've spent quite a bit more money on that digital piece. So it wasn't a crop, it wasn't a pesticide, it wasn't an insecticide, it wasn't a biotech trait. It's been how do you take all this information and use everything better in a different way. So those are the kinds of examples as we continue to look at innovation, whether it's artificial intelligence, whether it's, you know, all those different things that we can't even think about right now um, that will help perhaps satisfy what the needs of the consumer are as well as what the needs of the farmer are to be successful. So I'm thinking of this younger generation that speaks with a different language than you and I and has perhaps different principles that they follow by with them. For some say big is bad. Uh, there are some who are even candidates today who say that 
too many mergers, too much, too much consolidation. We've got to, to stop this. My question for you is, what would agriculture lose? What would society have lost if companies like Bayer and Monsanto and your partners not been able to come together? So uh, I believe we would really have lost the opportunity of incredible innovation. We believe this innovation of bringing companies together with the different portfolios to be able to do everything that we know we can do, whether it's short-term or long-term, bringing better solutions to farmers. If we can't have the innovation, there's no way we're going to be able to produce enough food to feed everybody who's going to be here in 2050. They're coming with or without increases in food production. So we can decide to use innovation to do that. And in many cases, it does take mergers or buyouts in order to get that innovation in the right place to be able to make that work. Lisa Safari, I want to thank you very much for allowing us to come to your headquarters today and have the conversation. This is Open Mic, and in Open Mic, you get the last word. Thanks, Jeff. Um, It's great to be here. Our thoughts and prayers are with all the farmers in the U.S. This has been a a devastating year, and we're working really hard to partner with farmers to help them make whatever decisions they still are able to make as they go through this growing season and to work as closely with them as we possibly can. And then in addition, to be able to put together plans so that we can have a successful 2020 and and provide that for them. So um, really, our thoughts are with uh, the farmers this year. Our thanks to Lisa Safarian, Commercial Operations Head for Crop Science of Bayer North America, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.